Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. It's such a joy, privilege to be with you again. And uh, Sally and I deeply, deeply, deeply love all of you guys, River Edge Church, this region, and I must say from the very start, thank you so much for putting on better weather for us. I am convinced that was Carol that organized that, because that's what she does. I saw a picture. Father, right now, just have your way in this whole time. We want to go deep, and I'm asking your spirit to bring revelation. To every person. I saw a picture in the worship of a very, very hot day. Must have been Mildura and another day apart from today. I saw a very hot day. People were sweating, people were hot, people were uncomfortable. And I saw a person in a swimming pool refreshed. I saw a person in a swimming pool just going, This is awesome. And I saw someone on the side of the pool looking at the person in the pool. And they were hot, they were uncomfortable. And they will go, man, I just wish I had some relief from how I'm feeling. What would you say to that person? And the word of the Lord to you today is this. For some of you, you are uncomfortable. Life is not going well. Things are going wrong. You're feeling like, man, I just need some relief from what is going on. And the word of the Lord says, jump in. Sometimes we look at those that are encountering God deeply. And Pastor Stephen, what you're sharing was so, so good. And I just feel at the start, that's not what I'm sharing. This is just what I saw in the worship. Sometimes we look at those thoroughly enjoying God and the presence of God. And we're standing back and going, man, I just wish, I just wish I could encounter God. I wish I could actually, something could become a bit more real to me. God says, jump in. But I, I don't understand it. You don't need to understand how the water molecules will walk. Get in the water. Get in. But, but, but I'm, not sh- I'm not sure. Maybe it's a little bit too cold. Maybe it's just, a, just get in. It's going to be better than standing out under the 45 degree heat in the thing. Just get in. But get rid of your butts. Jump in. If you don't like the present reality, change your position. Get in. God wants to bless you. I have a question. What are you living your life by? What are you living your life by in the good times, in the successful times, in the fruitful times? What are you living your life by? Because you're living your life by something. In difficult times and dark times, in confusing times, what are you living your life by? Because you're living your life by something. When you feel strong, when you feel you're able, when you feel you can go down the blue or even the black slope, what are you living your life by? When you feel weak, when you feel like you can't, when you feel like life is hopeless, what are you living your life by? When your faith is strong, when you feel called, when you can walk on water without a safety net, what are you living your life by? 
when you have doubts, when you have fears, when you have question, when you have confusion, what are you living your life by? When temptation knocks loudly at your door, what are you living your life by? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. Jesus has just been baptized, and he's come out, glorious time. And then we read in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, everyone says amen, into the wilderness, and the amen suddenly died down. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, if you want a verse to just mess you up, there it is right there. Don't believe that a physical location and a situation that is happening is evidence that you're outside of the will of God. Don't believe that difficulty means, that temptation means I'm off course. It means you're breathing. It means you're alive. Welcome to life. The Spirit wants to lead in the, through the, on the mountaintop, and He wants to lead through the valley of the shadow of death. He wants to lead you by the Spirit into preaching and prophesying and doing people good, and He wants to lead you through tests and trials. Why? Because there's something that's refined through it. Don't misdiagnose where you're at because of what's going on. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, right then, I reckon I'd be dead. He was hungry. Talk about stating the obvious. The tempter came to him and said, the tempter came to him. Listen, listen, listen. He was in the wilderness. He was hungry. He was thirsty. Anyone been there figuratively or literally in life? Come on. Come on, maybe you're there right now. And the tempter came to him because he doesn't come. <laughs> come on. It's called, he's a tempter because he's tempting. Temptation is called temptation because it's tempting. We need to understand that he knows when to strike. He's defeated, but he's not dumb. And if he comes knocking on your door, don't go, what's wrong with me? Come on, people. There's nothing wrong with Jesus Christ. I want to shift something in your spirit. Stop saying what's wrong with me. No, what is required of me is a better question. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, doesn't he often come by questions? Some of you are living life by questions that are not from God, they're from a tempter. Come on, Adam and Eve got off track because they lived their life by a question. Did God really say, is God really like that? Are you really the son of God? Some of you are living your life by, really, do you think that God has made a difference in your life? Really, do you think you can actually walk this Christian life? Really, do you think that you are any better than them? Really, do you think you are? have changed at all? And there's questions that the tempter comes, the tempter comes, the tempter comes. And the tempter came and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Why? Because he was physically hungry. And then Jesus, everyone shout Jesus. That was, if that was a shout, man, we're in trouble. We're, we're all, everyone shout Jesus. I could count on you, Pastor Stephen. Thank you so much. You, you're the loudest voice in the room. Jesus answered. Jesus answered. It is written. Everyone say, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. 
What are you living by? Man should not live on bread alone, but on every word. Everyone say every word. Shout it at me. Every word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What are you living by? I tell you right now, the only way to live a life that honors God is to live by every, shout it at me, every that comes from the mouth of God. The word of the Lord to us today and what God told me to talk about is rhema word. For some of you old school, it might be Rima word. And for some of you, you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. Rima is the actual theolog. That's actually the right pronunciation. Rima is our modern adaption. So I'm going to try and say Rima. It might come out Rima. It might come out Rima. It's the same thing I'm talking about. Are we good? Are we good? R-H-E-M-A. R-H-E-M-A, a rhema word. Um, and I want to start by saying two things, and I'm going to teach for a little bit, and then I'm going to download a few words that I believe are from the Lord. Are you good? I'm ready. Are we ready, Ash? We're ready. Here's what I want to lean into, a rhema word. Two statements I want to start with, I want to finish with, and then I'm going to Lay it out on the table. We're going to have a banquet, a feast. Anyone ready for a feast in the Word, Callum? Come on. Here's the two questions. Get God's, two statements rather. Get God's Word for you. That's the Word of the Lord to you right now. Get God's Word for you. Some of us are trying to live on a Word that someone else got. Get God's Word for you. You want to walk well this year, Callum? Get God's Word for you. And the second thing is keep God's Word before you. Some of us get God's word and then we move on and we forget it. Keep it before you. Come on, keep it before you. Write it on your mirror. Put it on your visor. Put it on the back of the toilet door. We'll do whatever you need. Get God's word for you. And then keep God's word before you. I'm going somewhere. Come with me. I want to talk for a moment about the difference between the Logos word, L-O-G-O-S, and the Rhema word. Logos and Rhema. And there's some confusion here because even Jesus' statement that man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it is not Logos, it's Rhema. And I want you to go with me. It's a, and so let me unpack this for a moment here. And if this is a bit confusing, stay with me. When we see the Word of God in Scripture, and it says the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. Everyone say the Word of God. Say it again, the Word of God. One more time, say it again. There's two, there's two words. There's Logos and there's Rhema. Logos is very simplified. It is the general Word of God for everyone all the time. Are you with me? The Logos word is the general word for everyone all the time. And there are two Logos, and I'm about to tell you that. What is a rhema word? A rhema is a specific word for someone at a specific time. And what I'm talking about today is get a specific word for you at a specific time and then keep that before you. Because that is the difference between what we will live by successfully or we will get bankrupt and derailed. When Jesus said that we should live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is not logos. It is not the general word for everyone. It actually in the Greek says, man shall live by a specific word to a specific person, a specific time that comes from the mouth of God. 
That's what you and I need to live by. Now, let me tell you about Logos for a moment. It actually means something said. The Logos Word of God, the general word that is for everyone all the time. Everyone say everyone. The Logos Word is something said, Jono. It is something said and is for everyone all the time. There are two Logos. Number one, and I need to start on the right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my teach on. Are we good? Jesus is the Logos of God. Jesus is the Logos Word of God. He is for everyone, and He is for everyone all the time. Can I hear an amen? It's not just for a specific person, a specific time. Are you with me? Is this simple? Jesus is the Logos Word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the the Logos, that is. It's not Rhema, it's Logos. He, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, the Logos, was with God, and the Word, the Logos, that is for everyone all the time, was God. They're talking about Jesus Christ. But Logos means something said. So what does God, the Son, what is He saying something? What is He saying, and what's He saying it about? Well, Here's the bottom line. When Jesus says something, he's saying something about the Father. Literally what it means, the word is something said. And this is not what Jesus speaks. This is who Jesus is. The Son is the word. I'm not talking about what Jesus says. Are you with me? Come on. It is who he is. Now, you may be an Australian, it's, that's not what you're saying, that's who you are by citizenship, by, by where you were born, by where you adopted into a country. Are you with me? It's not what you're saying, it's who you are. He is the Logos Word. I'm not talking about what he's saying, but who he is actually says something. Oh, I'm going somewhere. Who he is says something. And it says something not about my circumstances, not about my problems, not about my past. It says something about his father. It says this in Hebrews chapter Woo! Hebrews chapter 1. God help me to do two meetings. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews 1. One to three. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, says the Lord, He will speak to us by His Son. He will speak to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom also He made the universe. Now the Son... He will speak to us by His Son. What will the Son say? In this context, I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. This is not about what He speaks. He speaks to us by His Son. This is about what the Son, who He is, speaks. Because it says in verse 3, The Son is the radiance of God's glory, and He is the exact representation of God the Father's being. The Son speaks about who the Father is because He is the exact representation of His being. So the Logos, first Logos, is the Son of God, and He says something about the Father. Are you with me? The second Logos is the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the whole Word of God, Genesis to Revelation. That is the Logos. Where it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, you know, the, um, for those that have been in church for a while, maybe you know the parable of the sower and the seed and the Word. 
on the soils. You know the scripture. And where it says in verse 11 of Luke 8, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. What is that? It's not rhema, it's logos. The seed, that the sower that God plants and throws out is actually the word of God. It's for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. For the Word of God is alive and it is active. This is Logos. This is the Bible. It is alive. It is not letters on a page. It is the living Word of God. Can I hear an amen? But everything from Genesis to Revelation is for everyone all the time. Are you with me? There are some people that can quote the Bible, the Logos of God. It is alive and active, but they don't have any relationship with Him, with the author of the Word or with the Word of God. So in their life, it is mere words. There are some people that can argue the Bible that are atheists and they can tell you scripture and verse better than Christian can. It is the logos of God. Until the logos of God is breathed on by the Spirit of God. It will stay uh, uh, words on a page, but the moment you cannot be saved unless the Spirit of God breathes on the Logos, and then it becomes a rhema word. And this is what we're called to live by. Are we good, church? Are you with me? So what I've said so far is this. What are you living by? We're called to live by the Word of God. But the Word of God, there's two parts. Logos, Logos being something said. The Son of God, Jesus, is the Logos, and He says something about the Father. Amen? And the Bible is the Logos of God, which also says a heck of a lot about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and about you, and about I, and about everything that happens in life, doesn't it? The Bible is this blueprint for this relationship with God and about life. It's for everyone. It's my will that none should perish. Come on. This is the Logos of God. But the Logos of God can be known by men, known about by men and women, and it have no power in your life until it shifts to a rhema word. So what does rhema mean? It's going to, let's go. You're going to hear this and go, huh? Logos means something said. Rhema means utterance. Same thing. But is it? Let's go into the Word of God. Praise the name of Jesus. A rhema word literally is those, let me tell you what it is. Jump, I'm going to jump ahead a bit here. You know those aha moments? Moments of revelation? How many people have been reading the Logos, the Bible? And you've, you can quote the verse, 
and you've read it a thousand times and one day you're reading it and you're going, God, talk to me and, and you're praying and you're reading and, what, and one day the verse that you know from the Logos suddenly becomes alive and it speaks directly into your situation and it affects your life, changes your life. How many people have had those moments? What is that? That is a rhema word and it comes from the Logos word. I'm going something here. You want to say, how do I have a rhema word? Fill your well with the Logos word. The more Logos you've got in you, the more of the Word you've got in you, the more of the Scriptures that you've got on the. Again, I said it yesterday, give me some Word to work with, says the Lord. What do you live your life by? We need to live our lives by the rhema of God. Acts chapter 11, verse 15 to 16, and let me just, just jot it down. Let me read it to you. This is Paul speaking. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit, everyone say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them. How many people know that if you read this, something's about to happen? The Holy Spirit came on them as He had come on us in the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. Come on. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. What is that? That is the Holy Spirit reminding Him of what Jesus said. What's that? That's a rhema word right there. Is remembering as far by the Holy Spirit, that's Rhema word, and remembering what the Lord said. What the Lord said is a Rhema word to our situation. The Lord is the Logos, and when He speaks, that is a Rhema word. We need to not only know who God is, but we need to know what He says into our lives. Whew. The Bible says in John 6 63, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, the words that I have spoken to you, Brad, they are full of the Spirit. They are full of life. What is that? It's not Logos. It is Rhema. When the Spirit comes and He breathes into you and revelation comes and you're praying about something and the Word of the Lord comes to you and go, how do I deal with it? And God drops something into you by His Spirit. That is not Logos. It is Rhema. And that's what you are to live by. We are living by the news. We're living by opinions. We're living by what people say. We're living by fear. We're living about what we say about ourselves, what other people say. We need to hear a word from God Almighty, not just to the general. I need it for me. I'm standing before you right now preaching like a madman. For one reason, I got a rhema word from God on in August, 4 o'clock on a Thursday in 2006 when my father sat before me and called me and said, you're my natural son, but you're my spiritual son. You're called to be a prophet to the nations. And in that moment, it wasn't my dad speaking. It was the Spirit of God calling me into what I'm doing right now. And I live by that. In the days where it's tough, I get up and I come. Why? Because I got a rhema word and I'm living by a rhema word. I'm not living by my feelings. I'm not living by my mistakes. I got to get up and go again. I got a rhema word. Some of us are floundering because we've got no rhema word. Help me, Lord. I'm not going to read it now for the sake of time because I want to give you some other things specifically. But I encourage you to read Luke chapter 1. Verse 26 to 38, that's your homework for this afternoon. Luke 1, 26 to 38, if you can't remember the verses, Luke 1, read the whole chapter. Do yourself some good. 
you're reading the Logos. But as you're reading the Logos, say, God, speak to me by your spirit. Turn this Logos into Rhema. Are you with me? But let me just paraphrase. That's where the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, man, not man, woman, sorry, uh, came to Mary and said crazy things about the fact that you're going to give birth to God. Okay, if you want a word, that's not one you wake up wanting to hear. If you're a young virgin in Bethlehem, you go, what? That's not Logos. That's not for everyone. That's not for everyone everywhere. That is a specific word to a specific person. Don't claim that one. You don't want someone else's rhema. You don't want my rhema. I don't want your rhema. I love you, but I don't want it. And she comes in. She has this dialogue from an angel. When an angel speaks, that's a rhema word. It's not logos. When the Spirit speaks, it's a rhema word. It's not a logos. It's to a person for a specific reason. And she says, no word from God will, the angel said, no word from God will ever fail. And when she heard this ridiculous, impossible, you, if, you, if everything the Spirit says to you is comfortable and convenient, then it ain't the Spirit. There's got to be some enlargement. There's got to be some supernatural. Otherwise, if you can do it, God doesn't get the glory. And God spoke this rhema word. And what did she say at the end of it? I said I wasn't going to speak on it, but I just did. She said, may your word to me be fulfilled. The word, word there is not logos, it is rhema. May what you have spoken to me at the specific time, let it be fulfilled. What are you living by? Are, we, are, you, are you good, church? How many people have heard this? <laughs> oh, God, help me here, bring this home. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by. So then faith comes by. And hearing. By the word of God, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You would be, it would be okay if you thought that means faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, the word of God being the Logos, what is written in the Bible. That's not what it is. The word there is rhema. Faith comes not from the Logos. Faith comes from a rhema. When the Spirit reveals something, then, oh, I can do this. By the Spirit of God, we can do this. There are many people that have read the Logos word and no faith has been stirred. But when the Spirit breathes, mm. Saul on the road to Damascus was a man who knew the Logos. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, no, that's not, Jesus is not the way. He knew the Word. He knew the Torah. He taught on it better than I could ever teach on it. He knew the Logos Word, yet he was persecuting Christians. And on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with God. Had an encounter with God and he said, who are you? He says, I am. Oh, I am the Logos who you are actually rejecting. I thought I was reading and teaching the Logos. And in that moment, Logos became Rhema because he had an encounter with the living God. Too many in this room are living by Logos. And God says, get a Rhema word for your life and then keep it before you. Is this making sense? See, you can't get a, you can't manufacture a rhema word, Paul. You, you, you can't reveal truth to yourself. The angel came, Jesus came, the Spirit spoke. But he did it to people 
who are positioned to receive. He'll bring the word, but he won't prepare your heart. The water's in the pool, but you got to jump in. Some of us just want the water to come and flood over us from the swimming pool. Come on. Prepare yourself. Stir yourself up. Lean in God. It's like the Jacob, and this has come out a couple times. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Come on. What was he doing? He was wrestling with the Logos. But I need a rhema. God Almighty. Revelation from the Holy Spirit is what shifts the Logos word to a rhema word. Revelation by the Holy Spirit. Humility is also a key to opening your hearts to receiving a rhema word from God. If you're not humble, you won't ask for a rhema word because you can do it yourself. I got news from the very throne room of God. No, you can't. You might, you might say, yeah, I'm doing fine. If I ask some of those closest to you, they might say something different. We need a rhema word, and it comes by revelation, not by education. Revelation, revelation, not education. Some people, some scholars have educated themselves out of revelation, and they're stuck in Logos and have not living by rhema. Saul. The terrorist was one of them. The scribes and the Pharisees, you better believe they knew the Old Testament better than you will ever know. They lived by the Logos, but they had no rhema. They were living by words on a page, not by the spirit of the living God who sent to live in you. Young people, I'm calling you to get a rhema from God. How do I do that? Get in the presence of God. Worship Him. Get in the Word. Open the Word and go, God, I'm not leaving until you speak to me. And then don't think, I'm going to read as much as I can. Read slowly. And as soon as something grips you, don't move on. Stay there. Read it again. Read it out loud. Then say, God, what are you saying? And look into it. Come on, shine the spotlight on it. So many people are right on the cusp of a rhema, but they move on because of the schedule of life. Sit. Stay. God, I need you to speak. I'm not leaving this room until you speak. And if that takes all night, take all night because you get one rhema and your, wor- your whole life shifts and changes. No one is saved outside of a rhema word. No one is filled with the Spirit outside of a rhema word. No one gets up here and preaches unless you're filled with a rhema word. You need a rhema word. And when the enemy comes, when obstacle comes, when the winds of adversity come, what will keep you strong is not the logo. Us, it is a rhema word from God. A rhema word becomes an unshakable anchor in your life. And it protects against wrong ways of thinking. When God told my dad to move our family in the early 90s from New Zealand, where we lived, to Australia, that was a rhema word. And went to my mum and said, God's told me to move to Australia, all of us to move. And my mum, being a woman full of faith, said over my dead body. <laughs> and my dad, rather than fight my mum because he's called to love his wife and lay his life down for her, did not argue with her even though he had a rainbow word. He went back to the one who spoke the rainbow and said, God, you've told me to love my wife, so I'm going to love her. If this is from you, then you need to speak to her because I'm not going to force my wife. A few months later, the Spirit of God spoke to my mother, independent of my father, in a meeting when she was having no conversation. And the Spirit of the Lord said, Margaret, 
this is from me. You're to move to Australia. So she went to dad. We moved to Australia in October 92. But this is the part you need to hear. People say, wow, then it was all glorious and wonderful for the first few years and for longer than that. My mother hated being here. It was so hard. It was so difficult to the point when she was sharing with family and other people, they said, well, why don't you move back to New Zealand? Her answer was not, well, if she had not got her, her answer was this. Let me tell you the answer and then let me explain it. Her word was this, I can't because God spoke to me. If God hadn't given her a rhema word, she would have said, well, David made me move. She would have ended up getting angry at dad, disappointed at dad, bitter at dad. Our family probably would have split up from just that one decision. But the fact that she got a rhema word was she was not here because of David, but she was here because I got a word from God. It is life changing. It is an anchor. Are you with me? What are you living by. Get God's word for you. Keep God's word before you. I've got five more minutes and then I want to tell you to do something there, but I want to give you that's probably a rhema word right there. What has God said to you? Two questions. What has God said to you? Not Not what does the Bible say. What has God said to you? Don't give me a scripture and verse unless it's breathed. I can give you before I was formed, before you were born, I knew you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nation, Jeremiah 1. I'm not giving you a verse. I'm giving you a rhema that God spoke to me when he called me to be a prophet. In the worship, I was speaking that over myself before I got up here to speak. God said to me, before you were born, I appointed you as a prophet. That's my rhema word. That's what makes me bold up here right now. Not because I'm eloquent, not because I'm confident. I got a rhema word. That's, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm downloading this to you. What's your rhema word? What has God said to you? And are you living according to what he said to you? Some of you can quote what God said, but you're not living according. We've got to live according to the rhema. That's where the life flows. Are you with me? Three real quick rhema words for you as a church at this time. I could go into it more. Maybe I'll go into it more the next time. Um, and... Here's the first one that God spoke to me, and I'm giving this. This is you got to get your own, but I'm also as a prophet. I'm downloading a rainbow word to you as a church. Will you receive this? The first thing he said to me was half time, half time. I said, "Okay, God." He said, "Half time in a game is a time to rest, a time to reassess, and a time to adjust. Half time in a game, man. The game, the second half, can totally be different to the first half. At half time." If you use the half time for what the half time is for, reverse church, you're in the half time in God. Are you with me? Are you hearing me? Churches, leaders, this is a time to reassess and to realign. And God says, COVID is not to determine your next steps. The Lord God Almighty is to determine your next steps. And if something is impossible, naturally, this is not a reason to step out of the realm of faith and obedience. So my question to you as a church is, what has God actually told you to do? That's what you do, half time. Are you with me? <clears throat> the second one is an increase in miracles. 
Come on, there's two, there's three people. The rest of you, you're happy with the natural being natural. You're happy with people being sick. Come on, people, and increase in miracles. This is not a nice statement. This is what the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. Brett, Kathy, we're going to lean in. We're going to pull in. Poor Melinda, we're going to lean into this. But this is what I saw. I saw you together as a church going after the supernatural outbreak of God in people's lives more than ever before. I see you gathering around people in wheelchairs and together interceding until the miracle happens. This is not for a select few, but it is for you as a body. While a runner's legs may be the obvious part of the body that takes them places, every part of the body is present and involved when you run. So too, the miraculous at and through River Edge Church. Study it together. Talk about it together, pray about it together, declare it together, pursue it together, celebrate it together, model it together, become a supernatural people, not a supernatural person. The third one adoration plus consecration equals celebration. Adoration, bubbling over in deep love and respect and worship of who God is, something your pastors model more than anyone I know. You need to hear me. This adoration of who God is and this consecration, the action of making or declaring something holy, giving all of me to God. When you devote yourself and adore Him with all of your heart and you give all of yourself to Him, the outcome will be celebration of what God Almighty will do. Joshua 3, 5, last verse here. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Because tomorrow, the Lord is going to do amazing things among you. That is resulting in celebration. We want to celebrate. We want God to do the miraculous. He says, he says, adoration, fall in love with me. Consecration, give all of yourself to me. And then you will celebrate. Amen. Pastor Stephen and Pastor Kylie. Simple word from the Lord to you. So clearly he spoke to me, and I'm saying it publicly. I want to affirm the pattern and the pace of your lives. God says you are on track and you are on time. You are spiritual giants, and there is a spiritual maturity and a depth about you. You exemplify Paul's statement, follow me as I follow Christ. And I've spoken this over you privately. Now I'm speaking it over you publicly. I've said to your pastors, I was having a conversation with Stephen. This man in front of me is the man who publicly, unashamedly adores the God he serves more than anyone I know on this planet. His exuberance with some of you 
at times probably say, would you tone it down? You need to understand it is the most sweet smelling aroma in Father's nostrils when we live in a time where so many Christians fly under the radar, undercover, and are almost ashamed of being a Christian. You've got a couple who sit before me, who adore the God that they serve. Every conversation I've talked to this man when he's flat on his back in pain, and I can't stop him talking about the goodness of God and the love of God and the mercy of God. You want to you follow God and fall in love with God? Follow these people as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Consecrate yourself. Give your lives to God Almighty and to what God is doing in this place. Can I hear an amen? Thank you, Father. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.